0: Hey to all the data-driven marketers out there looking for new ways to reach unique prospects and better engage your audiences. This is the ninth podcast for the two guys in some data series, giving you the nitty-gritty advice you need to actually make more money. Hey, I'm Alan Abbott. And I'm Larry Kavanaugh. And today we're going to go old school on you and dust off a very traditional marketing concept but with a bit of a twist. Sounds intriguing. What's the topic, Alan? So, Larry, marketing, as you know, is classically defined as putting the right product in the right place at the right price at the right time for a consumer, and marketing academics came up with the concept of the four Ps, product, price, place, and promotion, which they called the marketing mix. For today's podcast, I thought we'd talk about whether the four Ps are still relevant today and how the huge amounts of data that are now available affect them.
1: Man, I had forgotten that the four Ps were called a company's marketing mix. If you ask me today about the marketing mix for a company, I immediately start thinking about channels. This sounds like it could be a fun topic. Uh, let's get to it.
0: Okay, sounds good. So let's take them one by one. So how has data, and specifically intent data, influence product selection?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing that pops to mind are uh, like the recommendation algorithms that Amazon really pioneered, goodness, 10, 15, more than that years ago. You got people who bought this also bought that, people who viewed this. Uh, all of it, trying to figure out what's the right product for that person. Uh, but you know, there was also like a lot of other things that went into those algorithms. You know, you had like top sellers trying to help people find what their right product is. You had customer favorites. You had product rankings by customers. Shoot, even in movies today, think about like Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you go through and you read Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic scores to figure out is there a movie? Is that the right product for you today? What are you thinking about? Well,
0: my first thought went to research. So I'm thinking back to when, when you wanted to develop products uh, back in the day. You know, the first thing you do is you, you, know, you may have some ideas uh, you know, from, from in-house, but you'd go out and do research. You'd do focus groups or you'd do some quantitative uh, research. And today, when you want to start thinking about new product development or category extension, the first thing you do is look at your site, on-site search uh, uh, results and you know what are people putting in the box? It's going to tell you what they want and maybe what they want more of. So uh, that's an application that uh, I think is really uh, really cool and has a lot of uh, a lot of potential that's not being tapped at this point.
1: Well, and I think you're right on because what you were talking about there is you've got like an audience, and that's how all of this really started. Is what's the right product for that audience? But if you think about it, the way the world is changing, you can go you know you can go sort of the opposite direction. You can say, "How do I find the right audience for this product?" Uh, so you can think about things like, um, uh, you know, your own browsing data on the website. Uh, if you know that people are browsing a particular category, you can actually design, uh, you know, as you're suggesting, you can find product and source product so that you're actually finding the right audience for the right product. Uh, I would say on uh, on product we can say that uh, data has clearly is still you know product is still relevant uh, as an element of marketing mix and that data has really enriched it uh, tremendously from uh, at least when I was in school. Um,
0: yeah, so, well, there's one other thing that I you know yeah. that I had thought of uh, uh, you know which is the you know the concept of gateway products where uh, we you know we now have enough data from website uh, visits and and. Uh, transactions that we can start to understand, you know, what products actually drive purchase even if they're not buying that particular product and that's something that uh, really we were never able to do before, you know, back in the day. So that's another, I think, instance of where uh, data and ability to uh, analyze data has, has really helped us. That sounds great. That
1: sounds great. You know, the, the one thing you made just popped in my head when you're talking about data, you know, we're in uh, Cincinnati, which is the home of uh, what used to be called Dunhumbie, but now 8451. Think about all that uh, right. that shopper card data uh, that those guys use. Uh, they use it to figure out where to even place products next to each other in retail stores so that you're uh, trying to present the right product next to the right product uh, in terms of trying to maximize, um, I would say, customer utility, but also perhaps maximize sales for uh, Kroger or whoever is using that shopper card data. So uh, a lot of good stuff there. But uh, let's let's uh, let's move on to price. Uh, Alan, you know, is is price still relevant? And how does data affect price in today's world?
0: Well, if you look at the airline industry and the hotel industry, uh, you know, they they've been the leaders. Uh, not always popular with consumers, certainly, with uh, pricing algorithms and and determining price based, uh, you know, based on uh, availability and you know that's something that i think we can all learn from although uh, the, the disparity in the prices sometimes is, is is shocking you know my my flight from philadelphia to cincinnati which uh, as you know i do every couple weeks is uh, you know could be anywhere from $289 to $600 and it's it's tough to get used to that but you know clearly they know something that i don't
1: well, on the flip side, though, if you think about, um, you know, when you were talking about airline, what popped in my head is uh, those great old ads for Priceline with William Shatner, you know, name your price. Uh, again, very data-driven. They had, uh, they, you know, but they gave consumers sort of the ability to be a little bit in charge of that. Something that, you know, when the uh, academics came up with the four Ps of pricing, I'm sure they never really considered, uh, but technology has allowed uh, and data has allowed you know pricing to not just be purely you know like the airlines how do you maximize uh, price, uh, but to sort of put some of that back into uh, back into your own hands. I think shopping comparison sites. If you think about uh, how shopping comparison sites work, you know where, where companies have data feeds in, and again consumers can go in and they can actually you know price compare in a way that was not possible you know many years ago.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's so true and. Uh... Uh, also you know the, the ability to look at things like you know what people searched relative to what they bought from a price standpoint I think is a very interesting opportunity and I'm not sure it's really been exploited uh, terribly uh, but if you look uh, at products by category you can start to understand and map out. Uh, what prices people are willing to pay and, or, you know, kind of what their first choice is in terms of selecting a price point uh, by by product category. And I think there's probably a lot of value in that as well.
1: Well, and you know, one of the things that I think there is huge opportunity for, and I've begun seeing a few companies doing this, a few um, uh, companies providing this to retailers, is... Um, really looking at a company's, you know, inventory, how fast a product's moving, and really be able to uh, uh, dynamically change or on the fly change pricing across channels. Uh, you know, certainly today you see companies when they get big inventory positions, they'll tend to lower pricing. But like I say, I'm seeing more and more there's the ability of algorithms and software to say, hey, what's moving fast? And maybe there's an opportunity to raise price there.
0: Yeah, so I'm thinking about the bar in town here uh, where the price of the beer goes up and down based on demand for that day.
1: Absolutely. Um, you, know, you, you know, you walk in there and guys Truth gets priced, <laughs> you know, starts at 6 goes up to seven and if you want if you want to keep on buying truth you got to pay seven but you know there's always something down at five and a quarter if uh, if that's what you want to buy instead.
0: Um, okay so let's uh, let's take a little break now and because I think it's time for our trivia question and uh, you sure you want this Larry all right hit me with it all right, last time you knew the answer to the trivia question about nanomagnets so I get another chance to stump you and uh, came up with I think a good one this time. And uh, by came up with, I mean I looked online and found something that would be painfully difficult for you. All right. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, on our last episode, we talked about the future of marketing as uh, the Internet of Things. And obviously, this is going to lead to a a huge increase in the number of Internet-connected devices uh, worldwide. So the question is, how many devices do you think are estimated to be connected to the Internet by the year 2020?
1: So does a lot count as a correct response? Uh,
0: Not really, but I'll give you a hint. There are currently 13 billion devices connected to the Internet today, and that number might be slightly higher in three years.
1: Well, there are about 3.6 billion people who are connected to the Internet today, so things already outnumber people four to one. Hmm. I'll think about this.
0: Okay, so uh, we'll give you a little time to ponder that, and let's jump back into the four Ps. And let's talk a little bit about place and how has the ability to uh, collect and sort and analyze data influenced that?
1: Well, so the one that popped into my head, and I think you know, it's one of my favorite topics, is geofencing, because uh, all of a sudden, you know, in today's world, based on you know your device, based on you know the phone that you carry around, and based on what the Internet of Things is doing, there's other devices that now carry geolocation. Uh, you can actually do things like. Um, uh, 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 geofence hotels that are near airports and send pizza coupons at 4 o'clock in the afternoon uh, to the phones or the perhaps other internet connected devices uh, that are owned by people who happen to be staying near airports. There's a great case study written about selling Ringling Brothers uh, uh, Circus back when they had Ringling Brothers Circus uh, uh, to um, moms. They were trying to find a place where moms would be, you know, just scrolling on their phones. And so, you know, if you geofence places like maybe parks where moms are likely to scroll on their phones and you know the circus is coming into town, maybe it'll be a steampunk circus instead of Ringling Brothers today. You know, people are more modern. Uh, and deliver, you know, deliver, you know, deliver that... Um, that piece of marketing at the right place where they're ready to purchase it's not place doesn't necessarily mean just channel anymore it's sort of like where's the place where you're going to receive that piece of marketing communication
0: yeah and that's uh you know an, a great example of of consumers driving place versus uh uh, the marketer driving place. And uh, geofencing is uh, really, really interesting and, and I think a lot's going to be done with that. And a great influ- uh, great example of someone being able to you know show up in a particular place and, and you know drive that part of the marketing uh, puzzle. Uh, but you can also, I think look online and look to see what people are doing online and you know trigger communications to them based on where the consumers are in the purchase funnel. So, uh, if you are, you know, sort of near the top of the funnel, uh, you know, uh, digital display ads and uh, uh, things like that might be a- uh, appropriate. Uh, if you're closer to the bottom of the funnel, you might want to do something a little bit more impactful like uh, uh, personalized postcards.
1: I think the other thing, you know, when you think about place, when people think about the channel of marketing, um, you know, people tend to be responsive to different types of marketing. I know. One of the problems that we see in today's marketing world is that marketers have so many different ways to communicate with customers that I think they've lost track You know they try to do it all, uh, and they they've lost track of sort of figuring out what is the right channel, what's the right place for a particular customer. Not just you know I think you're right on where they are in their path to purchase is a big component of it, but there are people who are you know frankly more responsive to direct mail, and there are people who are more responsive to digital advertising, and uh, you know marketing in general we can make it a lot more efficient and a lot more powerful if we pay attention to what's the place someone really wants to be communicated with.
0: Right. Right. That's very, that's very good. And uh, uh, I, I think we're going to you know, continue to learn more and more from consumers in terms of uh, you know, uh, where we should market to them and, and uh, what type of communication they're going to get.
1: So uh, let's move on to the last P, uh, promotion. Uh, so, Alan, you know, is, is you know, how, how do you see promotion really being driven by data today?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, first of all, we should talk a little bit about what we mean by promotion. Uh, promotion has come to mean discounting mm-hmm. in marketing today, and you know, the original authors of the four Ps, that's not what they meant. They meant, you know, how are you going to represent your products, and how are you going to present them uh, to, to consumers? Uh, so, so you know, one of the really cool things that's going on, and you mentioned the grocery industry earlier, is uh, personalized supermarket flyers that are being developed. So every, every week they go out in the mail, 32 pages, and a couple hundred products. And out of the thousands and thousands of products available in, in that particular supermarket, they select on a customer-by-customer on a customer basis, uh, based on the loyalty card data that they, they are able to get, uh, exactly what should appear in that flyer and where it should appear. And uh, to me, that's amazing and, you know, something that uh, everyone should be doing more of.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, uh, uh, I remember when I saw um, an example of that, it was, blew me away. It, you know, as we talked about, it kind of crosses over product a little bit because they're picking what's the right product to show me. But they're also, you know, trying to decide, you know, what kind of, you know, I think you're right on. It fits promotion because pricing fits into there. It fits pricing. That whole idea of, you know, ultra personalization um, uh, really is, I think, the, the key way that technology is driving the four Ps today. When I think about promotion, I, my brain did go straight to, as you say, you know, discounting. Uh, I went to, you know, I thought about RetailMeNot. Uh, you know, that uh, built a huge brand off of essentially, you know, there's all of these uh, coupon sites. Uh, built a, you know, that have um, uh, become very important in a lot of uh, uh, as a channel for a lot of uh, retailers today. Didn't exist when the four Ps were invented. Uh, you know, gosh, maybe you can go back and say green stamps might be something close to that, uh, but have really evolved uh, dramatically beyond that.
0: Yeah, the um, there there is some. I, as I was thinking about this, I did I did struggle a little bit about where some of the stuff actually fits in in the four Ps. But uh, you mentioned personalization, and one of the really exciting things out there now is the ability to personalize uh, communications and uh, personalize even direct mail based on what somebody's browsing on, uh, online. So, uh, you know, not only can you, uh, um, you know, understand who is looking at your website, you can also understand what they're looking at and, and uh, uh, trigger a communication that's appropriate for, for that person.
1: Uh, the the other thought I had is uh, people today can now segment, uh, and they've been able to do this for a while. Uh, certainly in direct mail been able to do this for a while, but, be, but you can now do it really across all digital advertising as well, is segment who are my existing customers, my current customers, Who are my lapsed customers, and who are my prospects? and uh, deliver different promotion, both in terms of you know sort of that uh, that look and feel, uh, but also in terms of you know pricing and offer. Uh, you know, sort of like a new customer type of promotion. You can, you know, segment and really drive audiences that way. And it's, you know, it's been a, uh, been something that's been done in direct mail for a while. But now, you know, even with Google paid search, you can segment out uh, those different audiences and uh, make different decisions about what it is you're going to do from a promotion standpoint uh, across the board.
0: Right. Oh, and so it's pretty clear that you know the four P's are are still a a pretty sturdy foundation on which to build businesses. Uh, But the availability of data and the accessibility to it has just really changed. uh, You know how we execute against those four P's. Okay, Larry. So let's go back to the trivia question. What is the answer to the question: How many connected devices will there be by 2020? So my
1: guess is 50 billion.
0: 50 billion. That's Quite a number. That's six or seven per person. Um, uh, my research showed 30 billion was a, a reasonable estimate, but uh, who knows? We can perhaps uh, check back in, in three years and see where we are.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I think that's way too low. Uh, and uh, uh, now I think I know where they got 30 billion from because I've been following sort of the growth of number of people who use the internet for a long time. And about every four years, the number of people connected has doubled. So they may be thinking, hey, the number of devices will do a little bit more than doubling. So maybe they were, that's where they got 30. But here's where I think they're wrong. There's a finite number of people uh, um, in the world that can be connected. There are, you know, uh, there, while there are a finite number of devices, think about how many devices each of us has. We've got you know, easily 100 different devices that could be connected. My, my bike could be connected my toaster could be connected, my watch could be connected, my ring could be connected, my shirt could be connected. You know, all of these things could be connected. I think that you know, the sort of doubling every uh, four years way off for devices. In fact, if anything, I think I may be low in only quadrupling it but as you say, we can call this back up in
0: four years and and uh, and see uh, see who's right. Yeah, you're scaring me a little bit here, actually, though. But uh, uh, you know, wow, it maybe it's going to be more than that. You know, maybe it's a hundred, you know, billion.
1: Good Who be, knows? But but as far as you know, the the other good thing about this is it just means there'll be a lot more data for us to talk about as we uh, as we continue moving forward. Indeed, true. Very good. All right. Well, I think that's all that we have for today. So. Uh, uh, you know, we hope you enjoyed this discussion about marketing mix, uh, both as a concept and how it applies in the real world in 2017. Uh, if you liked this topic, check out our blog entitled, Why Customer Experience is the Fifth Key Principle of E-Commerce Marketing. You can find it and more articles about a variety of marketing related topics at navastone.com blog. Again, that's navastone.com blog. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm Larry Cavanaugh.
0: And I'm Alan Abbott, and have a great day. Thanks.